This is the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Well, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. We are back at it, episode number five, and today we are talking about the subject of race, prejudice, racism in our culture, in the church. What does that look like? Is there hope? There is so much stuff happening uh, in America, in our world, that uh, causes us to still talk about racism. That's the fact. Uh, Many people may not know this, but my dad is African-American, he's black, and my mom is white. I am mixed. Uh, And so um, I've sort of naturally dealt with the subject of races coming together because that's what I am. And um, being able to see this firsthand growing up in this, I see the reality of this uh, from both sides all the time. And so I wanted to talk about this subject as a church leader. uh, What's going on in our culture is important, that we need to talk about these hot button topics. And yes, they are hot. People get upset. These are cultural things that we are going to deal with, but the importance of talking about this and having the Lordship of Jesus over this is so important. There is hope in Him. There is hope in the gospel, and He has given us His word to instruct us on how to love not only Him, but one another. And we as a church need to address some of these issues when they come up in our culture because Jesus and His Spirit has addressed it in the word of God. I love what the gospel says. We're neither Jew nor Greek. Well, we're neither slave nor free. We are one in Christ, and we should be able to talk lovingly about this and pray for our nation, pray for the strongholds, the demonic activity of hatred and racism. And so I wanted to talk to my friend Rod Wilkerson, uh, uh, Wilkinson uh, at Gospel Fellowship, my good friend. We've been uh, friends for a long time, uh, able to have candid conversations, laugh, talk, and just uh, I was actually able to lead worship at his church uh, over the summer. Uh, we were on Saturday nights and we had the opportunity to lead worship at many different churches in this area, primarily Trinity Lutheran Church. We led worship there, my wife and I, but we were able to, to move around a little bit and help people in our area with this need. And so as I we were listening, um, leading worship and listening to his message, it was just like, man, what a cool thing. This guy has been talking about um, this subject and what the Bible says. And so I just wanted to to have that message sort of in a conversation form and and talk about this area. Uh, Rodney, uh, one of his values at Gospel Fellowship is to have a multi-ethnic church. And to be able to talk about race is such an important issue because God is sovereign and king over all, including our culture, our race, and what uh, the world values uh, man, we have a wholly, totally different system in the kingdom value. And so I hope that you are benefited by this conversation. I hope that it encourages you. And I hope that it causes us to look to God for hope and causes our hearts to fill us with love so we can love other people. Here's my conversation with my good friend, Rodney. Hey, everyone. I'm here with my friend, Pastor Rodney Wilkinson uh, at Gospel Fellowship in Boynton Beach. I'm in Delray. They are cities right next to each other. Yep. And we've been... Uh, Partnering with the gospel for many years. You guys just actually celebrated your six years, right? Yeah, six years of God's faithfulness, man. That's right. Um, encouraged by the work he's doing. Um, so it's been amazing. Yeah. yeah. So this is one of the guys that I pray with, I love. We hold each other accountable and just try to encourage one another when mm-hmm. we can. And so before we get into talking about race today and just uh, the hot topics of what God is doing in our culture, 
Um, tell me about your life, your ministry, your family. Like, what's going on, man? Who are you? Yes, yeah, so I'm a PK, a uh, pastor's kid. Grew up in the church, ran away from the church uh, right after high school and early part of college. Um, just didn't like some of the stuff that I saw. And, and God, in an amazing way, I was thinking about this this week, yeah. uh, on a bus ride from Virginia Tech to Houston, Texas, uh, saved my soul. Um, it's one of his sovereign sovereign acts in my life. And um, from there, started out doing college ministry, love college age people. Um, and then out of necessity, we planted a church. Um, and we've been doing that for six years. I'm married to the beautiful Kaisha Wilkinson. Um, he showed me great grace and allowed me to be married to that woman. Um, and I have four kids, Jordan, Zion, RJ, and Grace. Their ages are 12, 9, um, 6, and 18 months. I have a lot of kids. <laughs> you do have a lot of kids. <laughs> You're a busy man. Uh, aren't you? Aren't you? Don't you also work with Acts 29 as well? I do. I'm an assessment coordinator for Acts 29 for the Southeast region. So if you are interested in assessment, please email me at rodney.wilkinson@acts29.com. We'd love to get you assessed. Gotta love that. Hey, listen, sometimes we do so much stuff. Uh, yeah. I just know you as a brother, some yeah. guy I love. We hang out with one another. Uh, love the work that's going on that you're doing in Boyne, senior pastor, planning a church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because sometimes you don't even know how you meet people. Yeah. We were just talking. We don't even know how we've sort of met. Yeah. But God has definitely connected us, and we're doing ministry in all different types of ways. Yeah. And uh, one way that we recently did ministry is I was at your church yeah. on a service, mm-hmm. and um, you were going through a series of sort of hot topics uh, that the culture is talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I were leading worship. You were preaching. It was sweet because mm-hmm. what's crazy is after six years, that was the first time I think I ever went yeah. to Gospel Fellowship on a Sunday. Yeah. So it was cool just being with your people, your elders, deacons, just all these people that I know and pray for and done stuff with, but to mm-hmm. see God's faithfulness in yeah. the church was awesome. And, and you were talking about some, some hot topics, uh, and the, the message that day was on race. Yeah. First off, before we get into the subject of race and why as church leaders that's important to talk about and what that looks like in, for us as leaders, why is, it, why is it important for you as a senior pastor to talk about some, like, I mean, there's quotes, hot topics yeah. of our culture. Um, why, why was that important for you to address that in your fellowship at that time? Yeah, I think um, if you look at um, the scriptures, the scriptures address it. Um, Paul is uh, dealing with hot button topics all throughout First Corinthians. And, you know, as he as he works his way through Romans, he's not just um, giving speeches that he wants people to hear. He is contextualizing the gospel to the current day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we felt it's important for us to answer questions people aren't necessarily asking uh, in church. So we dealt with race. We dealt with politics. Uh, we spent two weeks on sexuality. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, I got some some good feedback from that. And I think people are thankful for it. We want to be able to talk about what people are talking about and give it a framework for how do you look at current day issues through the lenses of the gospel. Yeah. And I think it's really important, like you said, God talks about in Scripture, if it's a part of our life, yeah. uh, every detail, big and small, yeah. He's sovereign over all of it, and there's good news for it all yeah. as well. And so, uh, I love that. Sexuality, politics, mm-hmm. that's a very hot-button topic yeah. right now yeah. that we're not going to talk about right now. No, we're not. Yep. Yeah. And race. <laughs> but we are going to try to talk about race. We are going to talk about race. Now, uh, one of the core values of Gospel Fellowship when we were leading there, you had a banner. It's to be a multi-ethnic church. Yeah. Uh, 
why is that important for your church to be a multi-ethnic church and what does that even mean that's sort of like a hot i guess uh hot phrasing or hot in the church right now just yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. a buzzword yeah you know but yeah. really what does that mean because you know that's been a core value for years now for you yeah uh following the work of guys like uh brian loritz um, he says that only 7.5% of churches in America are multi-ethnic. Hmm. Um, and that the, the, the word multi-ethnic or a way we can define the church is uh, any church that has over 20% of whatever the, the opposite of the majority culture um, attending that church. So it's like the 80-20 rule. Um, we we want to be multi-ethnic because heaven's going to be multi-ethnic. We want to be multi-ethnic because we feel it is a demonstration beyond the typical uh, to a world that is that is longing to see something in the church that's not just whatever your other church has. And so uh, we believe we see it in scripture. We believe that the gospel calls us to be multi-ethnic. Uh, we believe Jesus didn't die for one race. Um, we mm -hmm. believe that in diversity, there is strength, there's beauty, uh, there's appreciation for cultures. We see that all of the positive benefits from being multi-ethnic outweighs um, the challenges in being multi-ethnic, yes. which may be another podcast. Personally, <laughs> I know the challenges of being multi-ethnic because I am half white, half black. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in a household where it was multi-ethnic. It right. was normal to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, especially when we talk about this being sort of a buzzword, it is discouraging, I think, sometimes for folks in Montana to, uh, in the rule where there's only one specific yeah. Yeah. ethnic group or something like that. But yeah. where we're at in South Florida, there are multiple yeah. ethnicities. Absolutely. Uh, and so we want our churches to represent um, heaven and also represent our culture. Yeah. And so it makes sense for us to say, how do we do that? How do we engage and, and be more biblical in how we're leading and what does that look like? And mm -hmm. and to embrace the things that the kingdom embraces ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't necessarily want to just be multi-ethnic because it's cool yeah. or maybe feel discouraged because we're in an all um, you know black neighborhood or area or all white you mm -hmm. know state or something and be like, sure. I want to be, well, you can't be multi-ethnic. Yeah. But we also want to be about God's kingdom and I yeah. love that he loves all people. Yeah. And so... Um, Right now in our culture, not just, I don't even know when this is going to air, but over the last couple of years, uh, racism and um, just this topic of race and uh, racism has just been really bubbling, really hot. There's been a lot of social injustice, different things like that. And so culture is talking about um, this a lot. For you, how do you define racism and, and what do you see um, is going on in our culture as far as this issue? Yeah, I think um, kind of just simple definition for racism is when we um, when we treat people differently because of their because of the way they look. Um, just to keep it as simple as possible, I think uh, it still happens in our culture today. I don't think it's as overt as it was in years past. Mm -hmm. I think it's more covert. Uh, I think when I think of racism today, I don't think of it as someone calling me a name. Um, I think the most prevalent place you see racism today is in institutions. It's in uh, things like the criminal justice system. Uh, it's in things like um, certain limitations that's placed on racists uh, economically or just as they try to matriculate or grow through systems of education or just er different areas of society. I think racism can be very, very prevalent. Um, and then I think you also see it showing up in the church as well. Um, 
And I think you see it showing up in the church more from uh, places of distrust between different races. Okay. Um, I, I think it's possible to be in a church where you have whites and blacks sitting together, worshiping together. Uh, but the question on the table is, do I trust my white brother like I do my African-American brother or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, I think um, that's where you really start seeing the beauty of diversity take place when I'm willing to not just sit next to you in church, but to have you at my dinner table at my house. Like I, I think that kind of matriculation uh, needs to happen more and more. So I think that's where I see it um, happening in the church. And, and I think for the most part, um, statistics will bear me out that the church is still very, very divided. We still have a, have a long way to go. Yeah. And so why is it important for us as the church and church leaders to address this issue of racism that we're seeing in culture and we're seeing um, ultimately within the church? Yeah, I think I think and, and motivation is so important, man. Yeah. I think if you're if, if you try to pursue diversity for the sake of diversity or because it's cool or because it's a buzzword <laughs> or because it's sexy, you will quickly run out of steam because it's hard. Yeah. Um, I often say when teaching on race and diversity is that when you try to run down that road, you're going to get hit with stones that are thrown from both sides. One camp's going to say you're not white enough or black enough or Hispanic enough. Another camp's going to say you're too black, you're too white, you're too Hispanic. You're going to get hit from both sides. And unless there's a strong motivation encouraging you to do this, you're going to give up. The motivation for me is when I look at Ephesians 2 and I see that in Christ's death, he tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Yeah. It, it makes me, um, makes me want to open up as wide as I possibly can the gospel to every race, every color, every creed, every language. Like It needs to be that full, beautiful display of the gospel that works in different cultures, different contexts, different socioeconomic statuses, um, so that the gospel comes to bear in that. Um, and so when we disciple across the board, right, when we evangelize across the board and we don't do selective evangelism, right, yeah. where we just talk to people that looks like us because we think we can really connect. No, when we, when we, when we share, share the gospel across the board, then we see diversity come in the fruit that we bear in terms of new believers in Christians that are raised up in terms of Christian leaders. And you see diversity happening more and more in your church. And we're, we're excited about that. Yeah, so in your church, being a core value, multi-ethnic, you're going after this thing, you're talking about it. Mm -hmm. What have been some personal, uh, our leadership as a, just a church leader, some challenges? If you can mm -hmm. give me some things, but also some blessings as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I think, like you address them, there are some challenges, but I think for us as church leaders, we want our identity to be in Christ yeah. and not in culture or yeah. even, you know, our background, yeah. uh, our race or ethnicity, whatever, but it's, it's on who God is. And so as you guys are pursuing God as a fellowship, what are some benefits you've seen? What are yeah. some challenges you've yeah. seen? I think um, one of the things that makes me a little unique is I'm an African-American man pursuing diversity. Normally when you read about this or hear about this, it's predominantly white Christian leaders that are wrestling with the question on how do we become more diverse. So yeah. I'm a little bit different. I can think across the country um, and think about handfuls of guys that are that are pursuing this or doing this well. And so there are not a lot of models for me in that sense. Um, some of the challenges for, for me doing it personally is I think there is a, um, 
there's a belief system that says only the majority culture is racist. And that's just simply not true. Um, racism has its way of, of showing fruit in all of our hearts. And so part of my challenge is sometimes speaking to a minority culture who are wrestling with racism, but their racism may be more acceptable because they're minorities, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, I mean, it makes sense to me, but you may want to clarify okay. that. I know exactly what no, you're no, talking about. No, no, that's cool. Because a lot of people don't actually understand that, but when yeah. you're in the African-American culture, yeah. you would think because there's been so much presence against them, yeah. they wouldn't be racist, but actually the reverse happens. Yeah. And the only... The, the only way you can have that kind of conversation is if you fully believe what has happened on the cross has changed everything. Yeah. If Jesus has forgiven me of all of my sins, um, then I don't have a right to look at someone that's a different race than me, whatever that race is, and hold contempt for them in my heart because of their race. Um, and so because our church is, is still predominantly African-American, um, when I'm preaching this, I'm preaching to whites that are there, I'm preaching to Hispanics that are there, and African Americans that are there. And one of the things I often say is, is it is not just the majority culture that deals with racism. Sometimes minorities deal with that as well. And to see those walls coming come down, although it can be challenging at first, has also been incredibly beautiful. Because I think if you, if you get a drop, if you get a taste of diversity, you can't go back. Right. Yeah. When you have those relationships and people that you can call that have completely different perspectives than you, whether that's racially or even politically, which is interesting in the seasons we talk about when people yeah. that are that are walking together in life groups, but can easily vote on different sides of the aisle. And how can they still have unity together? And I think that's one of the things that the gospel does. It doesn't rid us of who we are. It's not saying stop being black, stop being white, be who God made you to be. He's made you different. We need to accept, we need to embrace that. But he's also called us to unity. And, and to do that, we need to wrestle well. But that's where he's calling us. And, yeah. and that's a beautiful thing that comes out of it. Yeah, so when we talk about this issue, we understand this is a very difficult, hard issue. Mm -hmm. A lot of emotion, a lot of feelings, a lot of history and background. But there's also... I love that. Just the love covers a multitude of sin. That mm. there is a there is a uniqueness when you see people loving one another. Yeah. It's almost like Jesus said that they'll know we're disciples yeah. if we love one another. And because we're so different with our cultures, our ethnicities, backgrounds, when groups of those type of people come together as yeah. one and love, yeah. it stands out. It shines. Yeah. I I just had a lunch uh, yesterday with a with a white friend of mine, and and God's just really been doing serious work in his heart and he's talking about what he didn't know he's talking about certain things he just never understood and never read about as it relates to slavery as it relates to jim crow as it relates to the, the the criminal justice systems or the civil rights and he's coming to terms with his own white privilege and he's asking the question as i'm coming to terms with how my family through um, systemic injustice have, have gotten a leg up on different races in our country. How then do I steward my privilege to be a blessing to other races? Um, when, when I talk about this term privilege, it could be offensive to some, but, but to just lay the table straight, we all have privilege. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the house with my mom and my dad. I'm a privileged guy because of that. You know, um, we both have degrees from colleges. We're privileged because of that, you know. Um, and so 
how are we going to steward our privilege to be a blessing to people uh, that may not be as privileged as we are? So I think it's, it's been cool to watch white brothers and sisters see their privilege and then ask questions of how can I steward this as I, as I work to make meaningful relationships with people that don't look like me. Yeah, and I think when we talk about specifically prejudice, sin, racism, these type of things, like it's important to talk about what it is and sin is sin mm-hmm. and how the gospel addresses that. Yeah. How have you found yourself uh, addressing these issues and literally just saying to, you know, doesn't matter if you're Hispanic, white, African-American, like this is sin, this is what the gospel says about it. Yeah. Um, how, how, do you, how do you get someone to even become aware of this issue in their own, per, own personal life yeah. and then to to give them hope to walk through it. Yeah, I think um, a lot of times when Jesus uh, gets gets asked difficult questions, he'll say things like, from the beginning, it was not so. Um, and so I root that question in creation and looking at how God has made us in his image and in his likeness. And if we believe Genesis one twenty six, then we all have inherent value and dignity. Mm-hmm. We are we are precious we are we are worth something because he made us now if you if you believe that to insult someone because of the way god made them it's an insult on how he made them it's an insult on god's creative plan and order and so um getting people to see it from that lens uh i think it's been helpful um and then i think also it's a work that the holy spirit does right and so presenting people with scripture presenting them with different points in, in, in the Bible where he calls out sin, the sin of racism, um, I think it's something that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of. And that's why I just encourage leaders, right? Talk about it, you know, present yeah. it to your people and give room for the Holy Spirit to, to move in that. Um, it can be challenging, it can be fearful. Uh, you know, sometimes it's easier to just skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're preaching through books like Galatians or, or the book of Acts, just skip over it. Yep. I encourage you to, to dive deep into it. I think our people appreciate I think people appreciate it. Yeah, and that's, gonna, that's why I wanted to even do an interview on race. Um, not just because it's a hot button topic right now, but because it, it, it actually affects our lives. And there are biblical examples of racism in the Bible, of how we're to love one another, how we're to treat people. Um, and all these things. And so for, for you, as you're studying this, have you spoken on this, not just once, but discipling mm-hmm. uh, your church, being multi-ethnic, um, what are some biblical examples of racism that in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? It's not just, oh, we're talking about it because it's something happened on the news, but right, right. it's in the Bible that God addresses and right. helps us to walk through it. Yeah. Because we don't just want to bring up a problem and say, well, good luck, take care. Right. There's actually hope and there's good news yeah. in this subject. And so what what are some verses or what are some examples of maybe racism that took place in the Bible and how does how does the Bible address this issue? Yeah. I think you start in Acts two, uh, you see the birth of the church and it is a diverse church. You have people from from all kinds of cultures and races that are present in the birth of the church. But then in Acts chapter six, there's discrepancies that are happening between the Jews and the Hellenist. Mm -hmm. Um, that are causing just conflict because of race. I think you see that there. I think you see this in Acts chapter 10 when when Peter doesn't want to go to Cornelius um, because the Jews aren't supposed to have anything to do with the Gentiles. I think you see this in Galatians 2 when Paul has to confront Peter on his racism to his face. Um, Man, that's just a good precedent that 
what would it look like if other pastors were to call out other pastors on their racism? I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, that's a sidebar. I just had that thought. But I think that's it's it's that kind of accountability is yeah. needed. Um, one of my favorite passages where I see this is John chapter four, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well um, and how he engages her, how he spends the time to talk to this woman that in his culture, he's probably not supposed to be having this conversation. Yeah. He's not supposed to be drinking from, you know, her cup. Um, this is a woman with a, with a sketchy past, you know, him as a rabbi is not supposed to be engaging her. He crosses all of these cultural barriers uh, to, 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 to have an experience with this woman that changes her life and changes the life of a nation, right? Um, and so I think it's, it's powerful to see how Jesus um, lives out the gospel in a way that, that, that trumps racism every time we see it. So Yeah. I remember even from that message, one thing that stood out to me, I, I like what you said, even thinking about Peter and what we see his struggle with trying to, you know, hang out with the Jews rather than the, the Gentile Christians yeah. and just those things that you can still be used by God, love God and still have prejudice. Absolutely. You could still um, sin as yeah. a Christian. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's okay to just say like, wow, I didn't even know about that or I see I'm aware of it. And it seems like in, in Christianity or in our culture, it's okay to say, oh, I struggle with this issue, yeah, yeah, this yeah. issue, this yeah. issue. But Let's not talk about pornography. Right, right. Let's not talk about race. Yeah. Let's not talk about, oh, I'm not very generous. Right, right. Or being glutton. Like, there are some sins that we don't ever talk about right. when the Bible actually addresses those things and says, no, man, we're, we're, we yeah. all need Jesus. Yeah. We're, we're not, you know, we need to strive to, to repent and yeah. um, walk in righteousness, but we, we need a spirit to be empowered by a spirit to walk in his ways. Yeah. And I think that if we don't say, oh, wow, maybe I do have some prejudice or maybe... Mm -hmm. My culture says sexual uh, immorality is a popular thing to do yeah, right now. Yeah. But the Bible says it's sin, bro. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so we need to make sure that we as leaders talk about these issues of what the Bible says, not just what culture is speaking yeah. on it. And so if we don't talk about these issues, um, people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think God addresses that. What, are, what about you? That was just one thing that stood out to me when you were teaching that. Yeah. What are, what are some other lessons or things that you learned from specifically speaking and, and, and studying through Peter and his, because yeah. he was a, even a church leader that mm -hmm. dealt with this issue. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you like personally took away from his life or um, just things that maybe you shared that Sunday about? Yeah, um, we're, we're getting ready to walk through First uh, Peter uh, coming up here. And I love Peter's life because it's filled with bold declarations and then it's filled with him having to walk back a lot of stuff. Um, one of the things I think we learned from from Paul in that interchange is just to be bold, right? Yeah. Um, and, and to be willing to have hard conversations with people. Um, as I started preaching about this and just becoming a church planner that was going after diversity, I started getting a lot of lunch invitations um, from mostly white people that wanted to sit down and talk to a black guy. Uh, and, I, and, you know, they wanted to, to, to take me out to lunch. So I said, if you will pay, I will pray and we can make that happen. <laughs> um, and they just started asking honest questions. Yeah. Um, if, if doing this for a while now, um, I've had many of those conversations. And one of the things I would encourage people to do as it relates to um, seeing this come about is it takes patience 
to walk with people down the road of dealing with their racial sin. In black circles, in white circles, and Hispanic circles. Um, particularly for minorities because culture says, well, it's all right for you to be sinful. You know, it's all right for you to find your identity in your race. You have to, you know, you have to claim your blackness. Or you have to claim your Hispanicness. When Jesus says you need to claim uh, that you are, that you are, you are his, right? That your primary identity is that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, not what your race is. Yeah. And so your race, uh, as awesome as it is and how God has made you, comes second to the fact that you're a Christian and you're a son and daughter of God. And I think that small clarifications helps us as we try to work that out um, mm -hmm. in our relationships and friendships and stuff like and that. And how have you seen, because oftentimes when we talk about racism, mm -hmm. or we talk about these things, um, it's always in a negative sense. Yeah. How have you seen the gospel bring be good news in the situation and bring hope with having a new identity? Maybe some of those conversations you you talk to them and then they actually respond to say, oh, they repent and turn and believe in the gospel. Yeah. How yeah. have you seen like people come free from this? Yeah, I, I have a lot of um, Caribbean Americans in my church, um, a lot of Haitians, Jamaicans. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and sometimes Caribbean Americans have huge issues with trusting um, white people. Um, I can say that about blacks. I can say that about Hispanics as well. But when they do the work of engaging white people, um, particularly people that in, in, in our church, we are just seeing God build some real true friendships and relationships that has been mutually beneficial. Um, I, you know, I think it's hard for me to describe the beauty that comes out of diversity. Yeah. Um, I wish it wasn't as hard as much as I talk about this, um, but there's just, I think you can grow up in this life, particularly as a minority, and you can have so many preconceived notions about the opposite race. And then once you have friends in that race, those preconceived notions, those generalizations, they, they begin to come down because you know someone in that race, yep. right? And just the power of personal relationships, man. When when I have my Hispanic friends and something comes up about Hispanics, I'm I'm remembering my friend. When I have a black friend and something comes up about blacks or white friends and something comes up about mm -hmm. a white person, I'm remembering my friends. I'm I'm looking through cult what's happening in culture through the lenses of my friends. And that's why it's so important that our Friendships be diverse. Our our, our relationships be diverse. Um, yeah. Churches, etc. Yeah, and I think personally, even as church leaders, we experience this all the time. Maybe not with race, but with different denominations, different camps, people that think differently than I do. Yeah. We may throw people under the bus. Oh, they're just Pentecostal. Oh, yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. Reformed. Oh, yeah. they're. But when you have friends. Yeah. Like some of y'all may not know this yet, but I'm not Acts 29, and Rodney is. But we're still friends and that's okay right <laughs> because we have love we know yeah, each yeah. other and we may agree on many things yeah. or disagree on some things but man we're brothers in christ yeah. we're able to conversate talk about it that's why hopefully we want to talk about these things mm -hmm. just to start thinking about it processing it and i love um that idea to be able to how people have taken you out and ask you and yeah. and and talk in a in a real way yeah because oftentimes with 
um, real subjects, things in our life, we don't know how to process, and so we just keep silent yeah. because we don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, and I, I've heard that so much from my brothers and sisters in the white community. Um, I've heard this, you know what, Rodney, I, I want to know this, but I don't want anyone to think um, I'm a racist if I ask that. And, and man, my, my response would be most minorities I know aren't that thin-skinned. Yeah. Um, like I have been, a, I have been appreciated and and honored uh, every time someone has has asked me about that. Because here's what they're saying: Is Rodney, would you be a safe place for me? And one of the things the gospel calls us to is to be safe places for one another. Yeah. Um, and to be able to bear one another's burdens and and walk with people and help them. And so, um, I think that's a that's an honor. Yeah. Um, and to encourage you, as people are talking about these issues with you. Be a safe place where you yeah. can listen, where you can, where they can openly share their emotions, their feeling. Maybe they are even ignorant about things. Yeah. That's okay. That's why they're coming to us as yeah. church leaders. Hey, what does what does the Bible does say about this? Or, or am I finding my identity in Christ or in, in my culture? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, now, having addressed these type of issues in your church, uh, specifically on race being multi-ethnic, um, how has that benefited? You as a, a leader mm-hmm. uh, and your, uh, I don't want to say staff, but even like just leadership team. Yeah. So, so now we're not talking about necessarily like preaching series and stuff, right. but just as us as church leaders, we want to grow in righteousness. We, mm-hmm. want, to, we want the kingdom of God to advance in our lives. Yeah. How, is, how has this helped your leadership? Yeah. How has this helped you, uh, your soul and just being a Christian, your identity yourself? Yeah. Um. I got a good friend of mine. He's a member of our church. He's a white guy. Love him dearly. And he said to me, uh, Rodney, um, I'm learning how to catch venomous snakes. And he's he's out in the Everglades and he's hunting these snakes that if they bite him, he's done. And, and he's doing this for fun. He's doing this for fun. And, and you know, I said to him and... and I hope this 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 comes across well. I said there's just some things I don't know as a brother that I'm joining you in <laughs> <laughs> that effort, man. So it's but it's given me an appreciation. Um, so I'm not going with him, but I'm I'm gonna look at the pictures and the videos. And so w- what am I saying? I think cross cultural relationships help me to think more cross culturally, which broadens my horizons on how I preach, how I teach, mm-hmm. how I disciple, how I travel, where I eat, um, what my kids do for fun. Instead of having one cultural lens that's most commonly acceptable in my race, now I have multiple lenses in which to view my life through. I think that's beautiful, man. Um, and so it's, it's different as we think through what, what worship is going to be like. Um, that's going to be different than a traditional black or white or Hispanic church. It's going to be a blend. It's going to be, you know, a combination of things. My preaching is going to be a combination of things. Yeah. Um, how we engage our community, where we engage our community is going to be a combination of things. And so I think it's beauty that comes out of that, um, that, that I think resembles uh, our coming kingdom and what it's going to be like when we're living together for eternity. And so, um, yeah, so I'm answering that. 
That's good. I never would have thought anyone trying to catch poisonous sticks yeah. would ever do that in their right mind. And but he's see, excited. that's one of the things when you have people that are different from yeah. you, they think differently and do For things. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sure. are there any last words of encouragement or maybe even advice that you would want to leave church leaders that are that are going and saying, "I want to be more multi-ethnic. Yeah. Uh, I want to address these issues." Um, any just encouragement, yeah. advice, things that you can just uh, leave us off with just, man, yeah. equipping us. Most times as leaders, when we hear stuff like this, we want to ask a question, what do I need to do? Um, what do I need to do to see this happen? Um, and so we'll do stuff like put different people on stage because that's something I need to do to see it happen. Or I'll put people in certain positions or... Um, little manipulative ways of trying to cultivate something that the gospel should cultivate. And so I'll respond by saying, don't do be, right? Um, be what you want to see. And so don't have a diverse worship team if your table's not diverse, if your family doesn't engage with people that are different than you. I would encourage people to, to be the change that you want to see. Uh, and then once there's an overflow of your life, you great, you gain credibility with people, you gain trust with people. Um, and that's where you start seeing more naturally that stuff come out of your life. But don't try to do something that you're not being. That's hypocritical and it's offensive. And hopefully there's a Paul to, to correct you on that. Yeah. So. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you talking about this. Absolutely, uh, man in our community, in our area, in mm -hmm. your church, but also with the podcast and just helping us uh, as church leaders become better, become equipped to deal with um, things like race, yeah. things like what the culture is talking about and saying, hey, how does the gospel address that? Last thing I'll say is I thank God for this guy. He loves the church, capital C, thankful for your work in the kingdom and your labor of love amongst pastors, amongst parishioners. Um, and he has just done huge work in the city of Delray of bringing people together like nobody's business. So thank you for this podcast and everything else you do, man. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, we love you, man. Yep. Well, along with this subject of being prejudiced, hatred, and we see in the world all these different things, the Bible says that we're not to have revenge. And so in this three-minute message, I have my friend uh, share a couple of Proverbs, Eric Souza at Calvary Chapel Reach. Love that guy. I was up in Jacksonville on a uh, day trip to um, a school trip with my kids. I left a day early just to spend some time, fellowship, man, with uh, this guy. Just love him, his family, just a sweet couple. And um, it's awesome to be able to, again, just share life. This is uh, opportunities that I think are important. When you see a chance to go and have fellowship with someone, man, do it. Uh, Eric is just a sweet, great guy. He's in Florida, but he's in like Jacksonville. So it's a very Southern. Florida is a very long state. So I was like, up by Jacksonville area and I'm like, dude, we got to hang out. Uh, so thank you, Eric, for taking me out to Panda Express. It was awesome. We had some good laughs at your house, letting me crash at your house. And uh, just spending a few hours with someone can really refresh your soul. That's what it is when I spend time with Eric. And so uh, he shares about uh, a few proverbs from this three minute message series. I wanted to share the one on revenge because I thought it would go really great when talking about racism or talking about how we've been mistreated and, and these prejudice and things we're dealing with. The Lord knows he's able to make every wrong right and we could trust him even in this hot button topic. All right. And so here is Eric uh, Souza um, with a three minute message. This is a 
three-minute message brought to you by Redemption Church, Delray Beach. Hey guys, this is Pastor Eric from Reach Jacks, and today I want to talk to you about revenge. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. In our society, it's very easy to be offended. Not only that, but it's very easy to then want to return that offense with an offense. You could say to be defensive, you got to get offensive, right? So people, they're offended by somebody and then they want to turn, they want to find out how can they now take revenge on that person. Don't you love how painfully practical the Bible is? Again, what does it say? It says, do not say, I will repay evil. Somebody does evil to you, that's a common thing. Someone will come to me as a pastor and say, hey, this person's offended me. This person's used me. This person's wronged me. What should I do? Well, the Bible says, do not say, I will repay evil. So if your mind is is going right now and you're thinking, how can I take revenge on that person? What can I do to make their life a living hell because that's what they've done to me? Well, the biblical answer is do not repay evil. What does it say instead? No, it gives us what to do. Wait for the Lord. That you're to wait on the Lord. You're to wait for the Lord. The Lord will take care of it. It goes on to say that He will deliver you. But when you wait for the Lord, when you wait on the Lord, you're not just passively sitting there. I like to think of it as a waiter is waiting on a table. That's how you wait for or how you wait on the Lord. You're to be serving. Serve those who haven't wronged you. Allow the bitterness to escape from your mind. Don't let it consume you every night as you're laying in bed wondering, what can I do to to go get that person? What can I do to make their life miserable? No, don't repay evil. Don't stoop down to that same level that they were at when they offended you. Rather, wait for the Lord. And by waiting for the Lord, as I already said, you can wait on the Lord. You can serve. Serve at your church. You can serve at your home. Serve at your school. But be somebody who thinks outside of themselves and allow the Lord to take care of that if you want to call it revenge. Trust in the Lord in all of your ways and He's going to take care of you. All right, God bless you. Well, I really hope that you've been enjoying getting connected to the ministry partners and people that we are connected with here uh, in Delray Beach, Florida, and how God just has divinely uh, connected me to certain amazing men and women of God. And so um, the next episode, I'm going to connect you with another person that our church has supported for seven years as soon as we started the ministry and planted a church, we were all about missions. And uh, this is a good friend of mine, Jason Sanchez. He is the director of the House of Blessing. And he usually comes every year to Florida. And we have a conversation or a guest lesson or connect. And he's just able to share uh, his wisdom, not only with me, but with other churches. Excited to have him come back in May to share at a different church in this area that's connected to the ministry. And we're going to put a golf tournament together, a fundraiser to support, and really have just loved seeing both of our ministry and capacity grow and how God has used us. Even though he's in a different country, uh, we just uh, pick up where we left off every time we hang out. And so I'm excited for you to hear about how he wants to talk to us about how God uh, works. And it's not in our own timing, our own plan, 
but he is good and he is in control and we can trust him. And so I know you're going to be blessed by his lesson next episode. Until next time, I'm praying for you. I uh, just am loving to be able to connect you with all of this uh, stuff that I'm learning. And I pray it's a blessing to you. So we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at EE Leaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it will encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.